is Daniel. Where's Georgiana? Ah, there we are. Excellent. Come on up here, guys. Grab a seat. Thanks for joining me. It's good up here, isn't it? There's a lot of people out there. Just try to ignore them. We'll have some fun. Now, I've got something special here. And uh, we'll just put that down there. See all the question marks on here? This is a mystery box. Have you got any ideas what's in here? No? You want to have a guess? A jar. A jar. He thinks there's a jar in there. We'll have to see. What do you think, Georgiana? Maybe another box. Maybe another box. That's a good thought. Well, let's have a little bit of a look. Do you want to reach in there and grab that? What is it? Honey. Honey. Wow. 100% pure Australian. Let's have a look in here. Grasshoppers. Are there any dead ones? Actually, I think he might be a cricket. I don't think he's a grasshopper. You know, do you know anybody in the Bible that's got to do with honey and grasshoppers? And let me give you a hint, it's not Jesus. He's usually the answer when people ask questions like this, but he's not the answer today. What do you think? I'm not really sure. Hmm, that's a good answer. Moses. Moses. Yeah, he probably had a few grasshoppers hopping around, but it's not really the guy I was thinking of. I was thinking of a fellow called John the Baptist, and that's who we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes. And he was pretty famous. He was famous for a lot of things, but one of them was that he ate grasshoppers and honey. Grasshoppers and honey, how does that sound for lunch? Not so good. The weird thing is the honey, that's the bit I can't understand. Did he dip the grasshoppers in the honey, do you think? No. Yeah. I tell you what, if it was me, I'd be going for smoky barbecue, not honey. Really. And I just want to make this point, in case there are any kids out there with any ideas, always make sure the grasshoppers are cooked first. Barbecue the grasshoppers. Thanks for helping me. It's been fantastic to have you up here today. Let's give them a bit of encouragement, guys. You can hop down now and head back to your mum. Okay. So, while we're uh, getting organised to, um, to talk today, I wanted to just mention that this guy, John the Baptist, he was a very interesting guy for a lot of reasons. He got an assignment from God. He got a job. And he was a very humble man, and he simply chose to go where God asked him to go, do what God asked him to do, and say what God asked him to say. And over the period of his life, he became a real celebrity, an amazingly popular and well-known guy. And yet he didn't let it go to his head. He just kept on doing the things that God asked him to do. Not only did he eat grasshoppers and honey, but he ended up having to go to prison as well. And not once, despite the fact that he was a celebrity, did he yell, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. <laughs> he didn't talk to God like that. Can we show this, uh, these clips up here? Now, there's a guy up here who obviously is a bit worried about eating the bugs that he had to eat. 
Look at those faces. Not happy. Not happy at all. I'm not sure if that's a grasshopper with chopsticks, but it could be. Okay, thank you. So while we're uh, getting into the main part of the message today, perhaps you'd like to follow along. And if you look up the Bible app, which some of you will have on your smart devices, you'll find that the (coughs) scripture references are there. Today we're looking at this section in Luke, chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. And we've broken it up into chunks for you with some opportunity to write some notes and some points down. And while you're getting that organised or getting out your journal, you can follow along. I'm just going to uh, read this passage of scripture and we'll get started. Luke chapter 3. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Arturia and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him, every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill made low, the crooked road shall become straight, the rough way smooth and all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptised by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then, the crowd asked. And John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptised. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. And some soldiers asked him, what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money, don't accuse people falsely, be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. But John answered them all, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things that he'd done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. Well, let's start at the beginning of this passage and we're just going to make a couple of points in different sections as we go through fairly quickly. Let's have a look at the beginning. You can see um, that there's a whole lot of names of places and there's a date there and so on. Who finds names of people and places interesting and sometimes difficult to pronounce? 
I had to practice that quite a bit. I can tell you that some of my patients have a real problem with this. I had this guy come in the other day and he said, Doc, I've got pneumonia. I said, oh, oh, you mean pneumonia? Yeah, pneumonia, that's it, I've got that. Okay. Somebody else said, it's a pain in my chest, I've got, it's my coronaries, they're playing up. <laughs> oh, you mean your coronaries. Yeah, my coronaries, that's the one. And this lady came in one day and she said, Doc, I need some clobby dog roll. Clobby dog roll. She said it louder because she thought I'd understand more clearly. <laughs> she said, you know, the tablets that thin your blood. Oh, you mean clopidogrel. Okay, got it. We can fix that for you. Well, there's one guy who came in and he was really worried about his textiles. He wasn't talking about his jacket either. <laughs> now, did Luke put all these names in here just to have fun like us physicians like to do or was he really trying to make a point he was making an important point what he was saying is that I want you to be absolutely certain about this I want you to have certainty about what I'm about to tell you because it's so important that you understand this is factual it happened in this particular time in these particular locations and these particular people were in charge when it happened he wanted us to be absolutely certain that what he's about to tell us was exactly the way that he explains it that's really important because it helps us to anticipate that what's coming next is important for us to understand the word of god came to john john got his assignment he was given his important task. And Luke says in this first section, verses uh, 1 through 3, that John got on with it. He took that assignment and he went ahead and started to do and to go and to say the things that God asked him to do. In the next section, in verses 4 through 6, Luke goes even further to ram home the importance of what's coming by explaining that this assignment, this job that God had given Luke had been planned by God and had been predicted hundreds of years before by the prophet Isaiah. This whole thing is talked about in the old part of the Bible, in the Old Testament, and Luke quotes from it. We need to note that this, this was written way before Luke, way before John, and way before Jesus were born. Let's take a quick look at this passage a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord make straight paths for him every valley shall be filled in every mountain and hill made low the crooked road shall become straight the rough way smooth and all people will see God's salvation in this section What's, what Luke's trying to point out, that John was preparing the way for the coming of Jesus. And he quotes this to help us to understand that this is part of God's master plan. It's the way he set it up from hundreds of years before. God is planning to save his people, to bring salvation, forgiveness for sins 
through Jesus. And that salvation, interestingly, Luke makes this point by taking the quote a bit further than the other gospel writers do and points out that the salvation is going to be available for everyone, not just the Jews to whom John the Baptist was speaking at the time, but the fact that this quote is available. The quote goes on a little bit more in this passage to include the fact that salvation is available for everyone, not just the Jews to whom John was speaking at the time. So Jesus is about to start his public ministry and John's job is to roll out the red carpet and prepare the way for the coming of God's salvation in Jesus. The next section in verses 7 through 14, John warns people not to rely on religion or tradition or coming from a good family to be saved from sin. He advises various people that it's all about a change of heart and attitude called repentance. And repentance is a hard idea to get your head around, but it includes these kinds of things. Awareness of sin in your life. A willingness to change. An openness to being rescued from that sin by Jesus through the forgiveness that's available uh, in him. It's about an inner change, a change of attitude, a change of heart. That's what repentance is about. And John goes further than that because people come up and ask, well, what does this mean in practice? You know, what should we do since I'm a tax collector? Tax collectors were the most despised people because they were so corrupt and, and often taxed people far more than what was actually required for their own personal profit. So John responds and he says that genuine repentance actually results in less focus on oneself and more focus on other people. As you look through uh, how he responds, it's about shifting the focus from oneself, from that self-inward-looking attitude towards being focused on other people. And it's demonstrated by the way people live, by the change that takes place in the way they live. The inner change in their hearts is demonstrated in what they do. Often Christians talk about becoming more like Jesus. I've certainly heard many Christians do that and in fact I'm sure that I've said that sort of thing myself. And to achieve this idea of becoming more like Jesus we often focus our attention on our relationship with God almost to the exclusion of all else. The interesting thing is that Jesus himself was the most radically committed person as far as his commitment to others that has ever walked on the earth. And so if we genuinely are going to seek to become more like Jesus, we actually have to shift our focus off ourselves and onto others. That's why here at Door of Hope we talk about our mission as a church, to be Jesus-centred, to have him at the centre of everything we do, to be others-focused, keeping our attention off ourselves but keeping it on others and to do it together in community because we all need encouragement to be able to live the way God is calling us to live. The interesting thing and um, big idea that John 
brings to light, both in what he's saying and in how Luke describes his living, is that humility is required if you're to be less focused on yourself and more focused on others. In stark contrast to humility is pride. You could describe it as the enemy of humility. And because it is the enemy of humility, it's the enemy of repentance and it's the enemy of growth. It stops people becoming more like Jesus. Moving to the next section in verses 15 to 18, we see that by this stage, John is a major celebrity, but he remains humble. When people point to him as possibly the Messiah, he immediately corrects them and points them to Jesus. The incredible thing that he says is that Jesus is going to come and, well, and baptize people with the Holy Spirit. That people are going to be invited into the family of God and to be indwelled by his Holy Spirit and to be able to be in communion with the triune God. What an incredible idea that the baptism of Jesus results in the indwelling of a person by the Holy Spirit and an invitation into the presence of the family of God, to become a co-heir with Christ, a child of God. Right throughout this, John is constantly aware that he's God's junior partner. Yes, he's got an assignment from God. Yes, he's doing the work. He's going the places, doing the things and saying the things that God wants him to do. But he's constantly humble in that process, remembering that he's in a partnership with God, but he's the junior partner and God is leading the way at every point. In verses 19 and 20, John ends up in prison because he spoke up against an evil deputy governor. Well, John keeps humbly doing God's assignment. No matter the bugs or the honey, the absence of smoky barbecue sauce or even prison and later on death, John just keeps on doing what God asked him to do. When we become believers in Jesus we become incredibly important because God has an assignment for every believer. We often don't think about that. We think about us as Christians being sort of um, grateful for what God's done for us, but we don't think about the fact that he's given us an assignment. I believe that God gifts his people and gives spiritual gifts to them. The scriptures teach us about this. And he wants us to use those spiritual gifts for the building up of the body of his church and for the witnessing to the community of the amazing good news of Jesus. He's got an assignment for each one of us. And they vary a little bit from person to person. John's was remarkable. And he became a celebrity as a consequence of his assignment. And he had some pretty tough things he had to go through as a consequence of his assignment. Each of us have an individual assignment as Christians. But we need to remember that no matter where that assignment takes us, we're always the junior partner to God the Father. We're simply 
going the places he asks us to go, doing the things he asks us to do, and saying the things he asks us to say. Here at Door of Hope, we talk about a thing called the Hope Pathway, and up on the, the stage behind me are some symbols to represent those things. Some of you will be familiar with this, but perhaps uh, those who are visiting today or who are our guests, um, others perhaps uh, haven't heard this spoken about before. So I'm just going to quickly run through this and then explain something. Over here on the right in the green, these are stages on the spiritual pathway we call our hope pathway or spiritual journey. These are people who are friends, friends of Door of Hope. Maybe these are people who uh, come along and um, see their kids um, at the end of the school year do a production here in the auditorium. Or maybe they're people who attend the gym or have their kids in our after-school hours care program. Or maybe they're people who come along and use our All Abilities Playground. Or perhaps they're young people and their families who are participating in the Mad Wheels Youth Program sent here from the nine or so feeder high schools who send their kids to Mad Wheels Youth. These people enjoy the community and what they're learning and the encouragement of being part of Door of Hope But at this point in their journey, they're not really aware of the fact that um, God has a personal assignment for them, that God's calling them into relationship with himself. The next group of people in red there, we call those people at the exploring stage. These are people who are becoming aware that they're hearing a bit about Jesus around Door of Hope and maybe this is important for them and they'd like to explore the idea of whether God is real whether God could be personal and make a difference in their lives. And so they're checking out the stuff about God. And we love having explorers around here at Door of Hope. And there are lots of opportunities for them to ask questions and learn and grow and satisfy themselves about the things of God, the questions that they have. Just over here on the other side of the stage, we have in blue people who are new Christians. These are people who've shifted from simply exploring to actually realizing that there's an opportunity for an eternal life in relationship with God, for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to come into their lives. And that is made possible by the sacrifice of God's own son, Jesus, who took all the punishment for each individual person's sin and that simply by believing in Jesus, a person can be forgiven and welcomed into the family of God. So these are new Christians and they're pretty excited about the fact that they have a whole new sense of freedom in their lives, forgiveness for sins past, the opportunity to live in relationship with God and to live a life that is better, gradually becoming more like Jesus over time. That's the salvation that John is preparing the people to receive the coming of the salvation of Jesus. And he's talking to them personally about how this is going to impact them personally in their lives and encouraging them to get ready. So I want to encourage you too, if you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus this morning, get ready. Be open to the touch of God in your life and be willing to say, Jesus, forgive me for the sins that I've committed and give me a fresh start. Because then you're welcomed into the kingdom of God, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God. 
So once a person moves into being a new Christian, they start to learn about God because naturally they're hungry to figure stuff out. And they want to read the Bible and they want to ask questions and grow and develop. And we call those people growing Christians. You can see the cog there to symbolize they're really getting on with the process of starting to understand about God. Over on the far side, over here in the pink, we talk about this as being at Door of Hope, people who are Jesus-centered and others-focused. This is where a person has grown in their spiritual life to the point where they realize that the very best way of living is to allow God to be completely in charge of all of their decision-making and all of their life. And this is where they put their own personal agenda aside and simply say, God, I'm yours. Take me anywhere you want me to go. Direct me to do anything you want me to do. Call me to say anything you want me to say and I will obey you. I will follow you wherever you take me. It's an incredible adventure to be Jesus-centered and others-focused because you never know what assignment God's going to give you next, but you're willing to say, I'm going to take on board whatever you ask me to do. Now, I've been reflecting on this and preparing this message today. I've realized something more clearly that I've observed over the years, but not really had words to. And sometimes when you study God's word, he helps you to understand something at a new level. That happened to me as I was preparing uh, this message suddenly realized that to move from friend through explorer to new Christian to growing Christian to being Jesus-centered and others-focused takes increasing amounts of humility as you move from green all the way through to the pink at the other end. That you have to be more humble to take the next step and more humble to take the step after that, and more humble to take the step after that. I realized that John was a man who gave it all up to serve God, to take that assignment on, and he was an incredibly humble man. You see, I said earlier that there's something that's the enemy of humility. It's a thing called pride, and the Bible describes it in other places as being a sin. It suddenly struck me that... I've observed that people along this journey at different stages get stuck. They kind of stall and they stop moving on to the next stage. Sometimes they get stalled for years. I've scratched my head over that, you know, and wondered what's gone wrong. I think God showed me through this preparation today that it's to do with pride, the enemy of humility pride that stops a person going that next step in their humbleness journey and their next step in growing in Jesus it's a bit like as you travel across this pathway, this journey you have to have less and less of me, less and less of self and more and more of God and we sing about that don't we I, uh, I think this is really important and it's really the main thing I've got to say to you today. I think that there are some of us who are stuck 
on this journey and we've been stuck for a long time and I think it's pride that's stopping us humbling ourselves and taking the next step and I'm going to pray in a moment and I'm going to ask you to consider where you are on the spiritual journey where is it that you're standing or sitting right now and how long have you been there maybe you've been there for too long Perhaps the Holy Spirit would prompt you today by his power to help you to see uh, where pride might be stopping you, being more humble than you currently are and being willing to take that next step in your spiritual journey so that ultimately you'd experience the adventure of intimate relationship with the Most High God, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, welcomed into the family of the triune God and being willing to the depths of your soul to go where God calls you to go, to do what God calls you to do and to say what God calls you to say. So I'm going to pray now and if God's speaking to you by his Holy Spirit and prompting you over some issue in your life that maybe is a pride thing that you need to confess I'm going to give you an opportunity to just do that privately where you're sitting, to confess that sin to God, to ask Jesus for forgiveness and to open up your life to that next spiritual step wherever you are on the journey. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is powerful and that it goes out and it accomplishes the things that you intended to accomplish. And this morning I pray that your word would speak to people's hearts and Lord as people think about right now where they are on the hope pathway and how they're doing as far as that increasing level of humbleness that less and less of me and more and more of you Father I pray that you would put your finger on any issues of pride that people are struggling with what if somebody's been stuck on the pathway somewhere and not been able to move on for a long time Father I pray that you would bring to mind the thing in their heart that's causing that blockage that stop, that lack of forward movement and Father I pray that you would by the power of your spirit encourage people now to confess that sin to you to ask for your forgiveness to receive that forgiveness and to determine today by the power of your spirit to take the next step in their spiritual journey and to ultimately be willing to go where you call them to go, do what you call them to do and say the things that you're calling them to say. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. 